Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. You might be thinking, you don't know how big my problem is. And I'm up here thinking, you don't know how big our God is. Come on, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. There's nothing he can't handle. There's nothing he can't do. Hallelujah. I wonder if you just reach up your hand one more time. Maybe lean over if there's somebody close to you. Amen. And God leads you. Why don't you pray for them right now? Cast out fear in their life. Hallelujah. And why don't we just lose faith in this house? Oh, yes. Hallelujah. For every need, you will supply. Hallelujah. There's nothing that's too hard for you. God, I trust you. I trust you for my job. I trust you for my family. I trust you for our future. Hallelujah. You know the way that I take, and the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Oh, yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I surrender all of myself to you today. Move, God, like only you can do in my life, in my heart. Let faith rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, God. Empower us today to take on our circumstance tomorrow. Empower us today, God. Hallelujah. 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 You are able, God. You are able, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's something that's happening here today that could change not just your week and not just your day tomorrow, but it could change your future. Amen. If you'll allow God to have control, amen, He wants to have a breakthrough in your life. He wants to move in and replace fear with faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. You may be seated. I, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Amen. What God is doing. Those who are watching us online today. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Pastor Dummett. And uh, most people call me Pastor, Pastor AJ. Thank you for being with us. And uh, we are so glad that you have joined us. Today's a great day. July the 14th is a great day. Amen. Do you realize the year is already half over? Amen. This year is going fast. It's going so fast. And I, I would just uh, tell you that, you know, we, we've got to realize we only have a limited amount of time left. Amen. Everybody's given the same amount of time every day, 24 hours, 60 minutes in each hour, 60 seconds in each minute, and we decide what we do. And I want to thank you for at least making the choice to be here with us today. That was a great choice. Amen? Thank you for doing that. Now, I want to ask you by a hand, uh, just raise your hand if, if you know who I'm talking about. How many of you have ever heard 
of Randy Cross. Anybody ever heard of Randy Cross? Okay. How about Jeff Saturday? Anybody ever heard of Jeff Saturday? Okay, nobody. How about Frank Winters? Anybody ever heard of Frank Winters? Nobody. Okay. How about David Andrews? Anybody ever heard of David Andrews? No. Okay, so one person. Okay, now, no, you guys didn't recognize those names, right? Most of you didn't. Now, how about people like Joe Montana? Anybody ever heard of him? Okay. Uh, Peyton Manning. Anybody ever? Okay, Peyton Manning. How about Brett Favre? You've heard of Brett Favre, all right. Uh, what about Tom Brady? Anybody ever heard of Tom Brady? Okay, so Randy Cross, Jeff Saturday, Frank Winters, and David Andrews were the centers for those quarterbacks. Many people can name the famous quarterbacks, and you, you know, they got these most, some of the most memorable names uh, of the most important players in history, but many people cannot name the centers or the offensive line that snapped the ball to those famous quarterbacks that protected them while they threw all those touchdowns. Let me just tell you, the offensive line in front of the quarterback is crucial to a team's success. You could have the greatest quarterback in the world. And if the offensive line can't or won't protect him, he won't be making any memorable plays. So the next time you watch a football game, remember those big old slobs on the offensive line. They're the ones that make the plays, and ultimately they are the ones who determine if the team will make it to the championship. Amen? Now some of you are like, man, I like this church. We'd be preaching on sports. I had to do that in the middle of the summer just to make sure I have your attention. I want to read a few scriptures today as we get started about somebody else who is seemingly insignificant and what they did that mattered. So if you would, I know I had you be seated, but if you would stand, we're just going to read a few scriptures. We'll start at Matthew chapter 27 and verse 57. I want to talk to you today uh, a little bit about a few people, but one of these is very specific in Scripture, and I can tell you I have never preached on this guy before, ever, 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 ever. In fact, I don't know that I've ever heard him preached about. Matthew 27, 57, And when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. One of the most overlooked characters in the Bible is Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph was a rich man who had become a disciple of Jesus. Mark chapter 15 and verse 43, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God and came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. He went before Pilate. He asked for the body of Jesus after his death. Joseph was also a prominent member of the Sanhedrin council. And then we read in John chapter 19 and verse 40, then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in, a, in linen clothes with spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. The tomb that Jesus was buried in was Joseph's own personal tomb. Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped Jesus in fine linen and spices for a proper burial. I've never heard it talked about. I've read it before, but I've never heard it preached about. So today, I want to talk to you on this simple, very simple title, simple subject. Just do your part. Just do your part. Amen? 
Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you've already done in this house. Thank you for the breakthroughs that are taking place all over, uh, God, that are here in this place and online today. We thank you, God, for what you're going to do in advance, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated. Why, why is Joseph so important? I mean, he didn't perform any tremendous miracles. He wasn't, you know, one of the famous 12 disciples. He was a prominent and rich man who was part of the establishment, so to speak. He was a man of influence in the community. And it's easy to think of Jesus' disciples as fishermen, outcasts, and the least in society. So Joseph doesn't really fit into that category. But Joseph, you know, that's probably why we don't preach about him, because a lot of us don't, we would not identify with somebody of such prominence in the community. But Joseph, amen, was a man of influence in his community, but Joseph was a believer in Jesus, and he believed in him, and he served him faithfully. But Joseph was not well known. Some people, some prominent uh, entrepreneurs uh, in, in a community or civil servants have influence, but they don't use it in the right way. And you might think that your wealth is the only thing that the church wants or that your talents are just spiritual, but God wants to use you for extraordinary things. And sometimes what it seems like is it seems like God's asking you to do something that isn't real spiritual. Something that's not a big deal. The crowds aren't going to flock and they're not going to tweet about it and they're not going to post it on their social media. It's not a big deal. The guy that everybody hates and, and so Joseph comes and he asks for the body and he puts it in his own tomb. Can I tell you that sometimes God wants to use the seemingly ordinary things to set up the extraordinary Somebody asked me the other day, said, if God's with me, then why does all this stuff seem to happen to me? Why does it seem to get worse? They said, I feel so alone. I feel like there's nobody that cares and nobody talks to me. And I said, look, you got to understand, sometimes God has to allow you to go through things to prepare you for what's to come. Amen. Sometimes you have to go through the valley in order to be able to reach the mountaintop. Amen. And so Joseph of Arimathea was able to set the stage for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard me preach this before. You've heard me preach that if there is no resurrection, then Christianity's a, it's just a cruel hoax. It's just a, it's a big trick that, that got played on everybody. But if there was a resurrection, then it makes the life we're living worth living. It makes the life we're living seem awesome and victorious and powerful. But if you take away the resurrection, you just have a guy that was a good guy, did a lot of good things, got buried, and nothing. There's a lot of people like that. There are hundreds of good people like that in tombs somewhere, in graves somewhere. Their bones are, are, are below the ground somewhere. And we've got a lot of people that have been good people and notable people, but they never resurrected from the dead. So let me just point something out. If you take away the resurrection, you don't have much. God used a wealthy and influential man to be the one who humbly wrapped the body of Jesus and used his own tomb to reveal the power of God. 
It was insignificant. It didn't seem like a big deal. I don't see any of the other 12 disciples saying, hey, hey, uh, I want to put him in my tomb. Can, can, can I have Jesus' body? Let me help wrap it. No, it was somebody else. It was the one you wouldn't think about. You, it was the one you wouldn't even consider. Amen. That's why I like it when quarterbacks, when they, you know, they, they do have a really good game. I love when they say, I got to give all the credit to my offensive line. Because you know what? Those ones that are like, you know, yeah, I just do what I do. I'm like, you're an idiot, man. You know, you've probably heard of some of these, uh, these, uh, these great quarterbacks, some of the really good ones. They'll buy things for their offensive line. Like, they'll give them stocks. Uh, I think Tom Brady, somebody gave, him, like, gave his offensive line stocks in a company. Sometimes they'll buy them, like, a really nice car. The very least that they do is, is take them out for some really nice food every once in a while. But, but they do that because they, they understand I'll do my part and I can only do my part when they do their part. So today I came to talk to you a little bit about a few people that I, I just want to kind of change your thinking because some of you think because I'm not up preaching the message today, my part is insignificant. And I've got to tell you, if you don't do your part and I don't do my part, God can't do his part. We got to do our part so that God will do his part. If you'll just do your part, God will take care of his part. Amen. So this story of Joseph of Arimathea reveals that even the simplest of actions toward other people uh, and obedience and faith will create an opportunity for God to do the miraculous. God uses every seemingly minuscule moment to reveal His grace. Every insignificant thing that you do for the cause of Christ. Everything that you think, ah, nobody's going to see this, nobody's going to know this, it's not that big a deal. Come on, I'm talking to those of you, you know what it's like. You're in the, you're in the bathroom, in the, in the church bathroom during the week, and you're cleaning the toilet. And you're like, ain't nobody care about this. Nobody sees this. It's not that big a deal. But God, I want you to be pleased. I, I want you to be happy with this clean bowl. So I'm going to shine this throne. I'm going to make it look as good as it can look. Because I'm doing it for you, Jesus. And guess what? When you'll do the insignificant things, the things that seem like they don't matter, God can step in and say, well, I want to do something significant in your life. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you about a lady that you probably never heard of. Has anybody ever heard of Sister Joe? You ain't never heard it? Okay, my mom and my dad, those are the only two people. Do you know why? Most of you do not know Sister Joe, but uh, Sister Joe, she was a wonderful lady. Uh, you don't know her, but God knows her. And God knows everything that she is and everything that she's done. She's a special lady to me and my family because uh, when we lived in Toledo, Ohio, when we first moved there, she lived down the street from us. And she did a lot of things for the church. She did a lot of things for the church people. Uh, she did some, some very special things. She worked tirelessly uh, and, and was such a blessing to all of us. And her favorite saying was, God's the perfect scorekeeper. What she meant was, whatever you do for God with the right motives, he's keeping track of it, and you will be rewarded someday. Amen. God's the perfect scorekeeper. That's what she used to say. And when things would seem like they weren't going her way and uh, it was easy for her to be frustrated every once in a while, she'd just remind everybody around her, well, God's the perfect scorekeeper. 
And it was her way of bringing calm and peace into her life that God knows. And this is not for you. This is for God. Amen? Most people in this community don't know Sister Joe. You don't know that she actually does have roots in Kentucky. And many of you wouldn't understand, but it's because of her and many others that I'm here today. They took time out of their lives to teach and to mentor me and to help me to learn valuable lessons about God and about the church. Amen. I would be sitting home bored and Sister Joe would, would call down and she'd say, can AJ come help me? And I'd go down there and she'd be sitting out doing uh, you know, yard sale or something and we'd sit there and we'd roll coins, we'd roll pennies. Sometimes she would, she'd say, come on, help me, and she would walk me around the church and tell me the different things that needed to be done. I loved it. I thought I was the coolest thing, man. I, you know, I get to be useful. I didn't understand, you know, everything that I understand now, but I do understand Sister Joe, and I, I, I get it because when people talk about, uh, you know, this church and they talk about uh, that great church that I was a part of growing up, and they, they, they don't ever think about Sister Joe, but I'm telling you she was significant. I'm telling you her part mattered. And if it wasn't for people like Sister Joe, our church would have fell apart. You think, some of you think that I'm just, you know, just reminiscing. It's easy to reminisce, right? It's easy to look back and think fondly of things, and we do that a lot. Like, the past was always better than, you know. But, but I want to talk to you about the present, because people look at this church, and they're, they're always quick to say, you know, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be modest here, but they're, they're quick to say things like, you know, oh, man, Brother Shrum, we, we're so excited about him. They know Brother Shrum. He's the one that started this church, and then J.B. Mills is the one that built this building, and they talk about Stanford Medlock, and they, they recognize these people, and, and they even talk about me and my wife sometimes, and the fact that we've been here 18 years, and the things that God has done in these 18 years, and, and it's exciting. That's good. Amen. I'm glad that we can celebrate that. But one of the names that most people don't talk about is Patricia Cooper. Even there's, there's so many we could discuss today, but you'd really have to look hard and long to find somebody who's been here as long and served as faithfully and done as much for this church as Josh Cooper's mom, Sister Patricia Cooper. I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, but I can handle it. Most of you see us up here on Sunday, but you don't see all the hours that Sister Cooper has put in behind the scenes. Vacuuming, cleaning bathrooms, mopping floors, wiping smudges off, anything else that she can help with. I have to catch her doing it. She doesn't want everybody to know. She's pretty sneaky. And she's going to be upset with me calling her out, but the Bible says to give honor where it is due. So, Sister Cooper, I just want everybody to know today your part matters, and I thank you for just doing your part. Amen. There was nobody willing to make this church look and smell good on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. This church would go downhill fast. Amen. So thank you all. Thank you that... 
you come and you serve and you, you, you work in the parking lot. Some of you come into church on Sundays and you're sweaty because you've been out in the parking lot. Thank you for doing your part. Amen. For those of you that seated somebody today, and you may have not got the seat that you wanted, but you helped somebody else get their seat. Thank you for doing your part. Amen. We got, we got guys like, like Brother Dummett and, and Brother Hicks and Archie and some of these guys, and, and Joe. You know, if these guys didn't cut grass, the grass would look bad. So thank you. Thank you for doing your part. Amen. This church doesn't function without people who don't do their part. For every one of you that have done anything, I, I wish I could call everybody out by name today, but there are so many people that you may not even think about. They are the offensive line of this church. They are the real heroes of this church. Uh, every once in a while, I'll get up here and, and we'll have a real good service and, and I'll leave and I'll be like, man, God, that was awesome. You're able to. And then I quickly remember that it was each and every one of you that made it possible. Amen. It has nothing to do. I'm just doing my part. If you'll just do your part, God will do the rest. Amen. The body of Christ has been blessed so many times because of your sacrifices. Because you said, I'm going to just do my part. It, it doesn't seem like a whole lot. Nobody's going to talk about it. I probably won't get an award. They probably won't do anything special for me. They, they definitely better not call me out in church like Pastor just called out Sister Cooper. But you did your part. Because you did your part, we're here today. We, we talk about in our giving campaign, we've been talking about it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. We can all give something. We can all be a part. It, it doesn't matter if you have a few dollars or a few thousand dollars or a few hundred thousand dollars. That doesn't matter. You do your part. You just you do your part and God makes up the rest. Amen. God takes care of it. There's a story from the Old Testament that Jesus refers to specifically in the New Testament, so I, I want to bring it to your attention as I'm getting to a close today. It's the story of a young woman, perhaps a, a girl in her teens, who's really hardly known. The Bible never even mentions her name, uh, but she has great influence. Normally, when I tell the story, I call it something like the healing of Naaman, or uh, Naaman gets healed of his leprosy. That's, you know, that's kind of the way I, I go about it, and if you've never read the story, uh, I really encourage you to read the story of Naaman, but the hero characters of the story, when people tell it or people preach about it, they usually use like Naaman as one of the hero characters because of his obedience, or, or Elisha because he's the man of God in the story. Uh, but there's a third hero, I think, in the story, and it's the nameless girl who initiated the whole story. We, we don't think about her, we don't talk about her a whole lot, but what do we know about her? We know that she was an Israelite. We know that she was a captive. She was a slave. She was serving as a slave in the house of the captain of the Syrian army, the very army that captured and kidnapped her. Yet, in spite of the fact that she was a, a slave girl, a captive girl, she did not lose her compassion toward her captors. This young lady lived up to the principles of the kingdom of God hundreds of years before Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. Naaman was the enemy. He and his men were the reason why she was a captive slave living away from home and loved ones. 
He should be very hated by her, rebelled against, and even if possible, assassinated. However, for some strange reason, this young, nameless girl learned not to harbor hate, feelings of resentment, and she recognized the humanity of the enemy, and this led her to love her captors and seek their good. Jesus refers to this story when he preaches in the synagogue in Nazareth, and we read it in Luke 4, 27 through 29. It says, And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. What was it that Jesus had said that made the people so mad they were ready to kill him. He referenced this story. He brought up the story. Now, the Jews in Jesus' hometown thought that they had a right to overlook others. They, they thought that they were superior to them for several reasons. I mean, after all, they were God's chosen people. Very similar to the way people in our societies today treat other races, cultures, and ethnicities as second or third class citizens. And Jesus was calling them out for this. Jesus was rebuking the very twisted thinking of the people in his hometown. Naaman was not an Israelite, and yet Elisha, Elisha was sent to minister healing to him. Through his healing, God extended mercy to the Gentiles in a time when the Gentiles weren't supposed to receive mercy, and the people of Nazareth were not ready to be reminded of that. Their hatred of their enemies blinded their eyes to the humanity of the enemy. You see, they were living in a time where the Romans were their captors. The Romans were their slave masters. And they didn't want to be reminded that you can even be kingdom principle-minded in that kind of a setting. They didn't want to be reminded that you can just do your part and be what Jesus is saying you can be. They, they didn't want to think about that, that love your enemy and, and, and pray for your enemy and do good to them. And They didn't want to think about that. Can I tell you that God uses all kinds of people? God uses all kinds of people. Man, I, I'm telling you, you, if you like diversity, you have come to the right church. This is a diverse church. Amen. There are so many different people in this church. There are some that, that they, uh, you know, they, they are so, like, they're just so analytical and they've got everything figured out. And then you've got the other extreme. You've got some people that are so emotional and they're never analytical. You've got some people that have been raised up with a really good work ethic. And then you've got some people that weren't even really raised up with any work ethic. You've got, you've got people that they, they know how to talk to people. And then you've got people who are afraid to talk to people. You've got all kinds of that. Amen. You got people who uh, uh, grew up in an all-white neighborhood, and you got people who grew up in an all-black neighborhood. You get some people who grew up in a Hispanic uh, culture and and in an Asian culture, and we got people that you know when we all come together, all this diversity is kind of cool because it's really what the body of Christ is supposed to look like, and it's what heaven is going to be like. So I'm so thankful for that diversity that we have. And God uses all kinds of people. Hear me, even the insignificant people. God used a prophet, a soldier, a king, 
a captain of the armed forces, his wife, and a poor slave girl. God uses her in limited capacity. She didn't become a queen like Esther. I mean, we, we don't read the rest of the story because it's not really in there, but I wonder what Naaman did when he got back. Did he give her a promotion? Did he set her freed? I mean, we don't read any of that. There's no, I mean, sometimes we think, well, God, if I do something for you, I expect to get moved on up. God, if I just do, if I'll just do my part, I want something out of this. Well, <laughs> that's not how it always works. I don't read where she got a promotion. I don't read where she got to go free and go back to her family or anything like that. God used her in a limited capacity. She didn't become a leader like Deborah. She didn't become a prophetess. Uh, she didn't start doing miracles. She simply said a few words. That's all she did. But she must have been convincing enough to cause the chief of the armed forces to take her word seriously. Oh, if only, if only you were in Israel. If only you could have the man of God just pray over you. I know you could be healed. What? There's a way for me to get out of this disease that's incurable? <laughs> Quit asking God to use you like Paul and Peter, like Martin Luther, Billy Graham, and Mother Teresa. God wants to use you as you. He wants to use you just as you are. Your part matters. Just do your part. Amen. Can I tell you this? God respects who you are. He respects all of your strengths and especially your weaknesses. It's kind of cool because, you know, He gives you the strength to be able to be a blessing to other people. And He allows you to have weaknesses so that He can get the glory. Amen. And so, in our weaknesses, his strength is made perfect, and, and one person who trusts God enough to obey him immediately can cause a revival. One person who says, okay, I'll do it. Okay, I'll say it. Yes, I'll go there. Whatever you want, God, when we are willingly obedient. Let, let me, let, I'm, I'm, I'm hovering and I'm, I'm coming in for the landing, okay? But here's, here's the deal. Sometimes we know what we're supposed to do and we just don't do it. Well, people will think that I'm trying to uh, steal the limelight. People will think that I'm trying to, people will think, who cares what people think? What, what will God think? Some of you, God is, he is moving on you to take a step of faith. He, he wants you to take your next step, to move in the direction that He is calling you to go. That's what he, he, he's, he's trying to urge you and encourage you. And here, here you go. Here's your part. Just, just do that part right there. And we're like, oh, I don't know. Hey, pastor, what do you think about this? And uh, hey, friend, what do you think about that? And hey, family member, uh, what, what do you think? I, you know, I'm kind of feeling this. And we will talk to as many people as we can until we find a way out. Hello. Uh, come on, that's good preaching right there. We're all trying to find a way out. And God's like, just do your part. I'm, I'm trying to do something amazing in your life. I'm trying to do something amazing in your church, in your family, in your community. And I just need you to do your part. Amen. Can I just, I, I, I know some of you, 
you might not take this very well, but God wants to use you to bring miracles to pass. I, I was, when I was in Costa Rica a few weeks ago, we, had, we were praying and, and we were having prayer over people. And I don't speak Spanish. I don't. I know some of you think that I do. It's very, I don't. I really don't. Ask Brother Miguel. He will tell you. I do not speak Spanish. Matter, matter of fact, uh, my Spanish is, is, I can start understanding like every third word, but when you talk so fast, I, I don't know what you're saying. And so people, because I, I can say a few words, and I, they think that I speak Spanish, but I don't. Well, it's hard when you're trying to pray for people, and you don't speak Spanish. And they only speak Spanish. And so I had this young man by the name of Bosco, and Bosco's a good guy, and I'm still in communication with him. But I said, Bosco, I need your help. I said, I've got I've to cast some things off of these people. I've got to pray healing onto some of these people, and I need your help because if they don't understand what I'm saying, yes, I can speak in tongues all day long, and, and I can, I can, but I need to give them some specific instructions. Bosco said, okay, good, let's do it. I said, all right, let's go. And one by one by one, and every time I'd turn around, he was, you know, somebody was trying to get him, and I just kept grabbing him back. I said, no, 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 you are trans, right now, I need you to say this, right? Don't go off to somebody else, just right now, I need you to say this. And person after person after person, we saw healings, we saw people filled with the Holy Ghost, we saw all kinds of things. And I can just tell you right now, it would not have been possible without Bosco. I needed somebody to do their part. I needed somebody to step in and say what God was trying to say to these people, and I couldn't do it by myself. You can't do what you're going to do by yourself. You're going to have to have some people come along with you. That's why all of our parts matter. When we bring them together, God can do amazing things, but you've got to do your part. Amen. 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 Why don't you stand with me? God wants to use you to bring a miracle into your family. God wants to use you, amen, to bring healing and deliverance. God wants to use your part. Can he do it with somebody else? Yes, but that's a workaround. He wants to use you. Will he work around you? Yes, if you're stubborn. If you decide you're not going to do your part, he will find a way to get it done. But wouldn't you like to be a part? of what God is doing? Wouldn't you like to say, God, I'm available. Use me. I want to do my part. I said it last week, and I will reiterate it again. God has gifted you, but your gift is not about you. God used the overlooked character of Joseph of Arimathea to show his power in the resurrection. Jesus specifically spoke about the healing of Naaman. How this insignificant slave girl could make a difference. And I ask you today, what could God do with your part if you would surrender it to Him? Are you willing to let each moment of your life be used by God to do amazing things for our church and for the world around us? Somebody asked me yesterday, they said, I've got a friend that wants to be baptized, but they don't want to go to church. I said, let me, under, let me get, make sure I understand what you're saying. So they want to get baptized in Jesus' name because they know that they need to be baptized in Jesus' name, have their sins washed away, and they don't want to go to hell, but they don't want to commit to 
attending and being faithful to a church. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. And I said, they asked me, can they be saved? And I said, well, you know, when you're baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his body. Why would you want to be baptized into something that you never want to have a part of? So will I baptize you? Yeah, if you're repentant of your sins, you want to be baptized, I will baptize you. But I don't think it's real wise to be baptized into something you don't want to have any part of. Because every part, we did it last week, I'm not going to rehash it again, that's why the puzzle and Miss Potato Head's back there. Every part of the body of Christ is essential. Every part is necessary. Just because you think I'm the, the pinky toe, I'm not a big deal. Just because I'm, I'm the appendix, I'm not a big deal. You are a big deal. Amen. God has gifted you. God has blessed you. And He wants to use your part. So quit holding out. Quit, quit sitting back and saying, well, my part's not that important. Pastor, you wouldn't really miss my part. I miss your part. We want your part. We want you here. We want you plugged in. We want you connected. Amen. Don't say I don't have a lot to offer. Don't say I can't do it or, or it's not possible because all things are possible and I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I would challenge you Amen. Today, the first thing that each of us need to do is we need to repent. We need to turn from everything that keeps God out of our lives. Maybe he's been dealing with you about changing and surrendering to him. Today is the day. Not a conditional surrender, but an unconditional surrender to his plan for your life. Some of you, you put terms on, well, God, I'll serve you, but I need you to do this. I need this to happen. Sometimes we wait until like the very last minute and things are like caving in around us. God, if you'll keep me out of jail, I promise. Come on now. You know, it's, you know it's true. God, if you'll just heal my mother. God, if you'll... We, we do. We make all these conditions. God's saying, I want a, an unconditional surrender. I want to, hey, God, I'm going to give you my part 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. I'm going to do it every time that I can. Amen. Amen. I'm going to do my part. And if you've decided to change, to make the change, to turn from that lifestyle that you know is not pleasing to God, then I want you to ask God to forgive you for everything in your past. Once you've repented, then it's time to be washed in the water of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. The only way people are baptized in Scripture. And God promises to fill you with His Spirit and to empower you to play your part, to do your part for His kingdom's purpose. Amen. You'll know you receive the Holy Ghost when you begin to speak in a language that you didn't learn before. God will enable you to do that. That's His part. You see, you can repent. You can get in the water of baptism and we can baptize you. But we can't make you speak in tongues. God will enable you to speak in a language that you've never learned. That's His part. And He promised that He's going to do it. Amen. And lastly, as we close, what is something that you could start doing this week? Oh, pastor, I do. I want to do my part years from now, <laughs> months from now, as whenever I get comfortable. Is there something that God has placed on your heart? 
I'm not talking about preaching a sermon in the pulpit or singing a special. I'm simply referring to something that you could do with or for someone, and they don't even have to be here in this church, that would show God's love and compassion to them. Yeah, we're all busy. Don't, don't say, well, I'm, I'm busy if you only knew my schedule. But there's somebody who needs you to speak into their life this week. There's somebody who needs you to do your part this week. So this is what I'm asking you to do. After you have prayed, after you've repented, after you've gotten things right between you and God, I want you to find somebody else to pray with today. And I want you to pray, God, help us to do our part. Help me to encourage them. Help me to strengthen them, to empower them, God. And and then be an encourager. Amen. Today, before you leave, why don't you go recognize somebody and thank them for the, the part that they're doing? Amen. If they're in the sound booth, go back and say, hey, thank you for making it to where I could hear today. Amen. If, if you couldn't hear today, don't complain. Uh, say, thank you, God, because I'm going to sit closer the next time to where I can hear. Amen. Find somebody that brought you to your seat. Thank you for showing me to my seat today. Amen. If you found somebody in the parking lot and they were working hard, go there. Man, thank you for sweating for me today. I appreciate that. Thank somebody. Why? Because when we get the body of Christ connected and we're working together and we're doing our part God says hey look I can use that the scripture says in the book of Acts they were all with one accord in one place that means they were all connected they were all doing their part amen God had them in one mind in one accord and then amen the Holy Ghost came anytime the church can get in unity anytime the church says I'm willing to do my part God says look out I'm about to do my part here we go amen when I'm the one that gets the glory when there's no individual person getting the glory but I'm going to get the glory you look out and see what God's going to do amen this altar is open today I want to challenge you amen make things right with God and then do your part commit to do your part if you've been holding out on God quit holding out today unconditional surrender to him